not be the total truth. No, 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 no. See the way society is built today, like a trap. It's built in a way that keeps you in the dark. Trapped. Cause if your light shines through, you might figure out who and what you are. A magnificent being. Don't be scared of that. Do not be scared. That's why I'm here to help you remember. Great morning, great evening, good afternoon, depending where you're around this beautiful planet, this amazing universe. Welcome to Brown and Spiritual AF. And today we have a great guest, right? Well, I mean, all our guests are great in a uniquely way of their own, right? And today is Miss Elise Alexander. She is a, 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 a mind business wealth coach, right? Uh, she's a trader. She's a speaker, entrepreneur. She has an amazing YouTube series, right? That's called Fuck the Generational Wealth Gap. Yep. Brown and spiritual as fucking fuck the generational wealth gap. Come together today for this amazing episode. She also has an IG series called Boss Bitch Energy. Yes, and all of us can have boss bitch energy. I just realized that the other day. Like, I get in touch with that shit. It gets me empowered. But anyhow, before we move on to our guest, Isela, is there anything you would like to update our listeners to today on what you got going on in your life and in your business and your growth? Actually, I am right now working on um, developing a course, an online hybrid course, uh, beginning in February. So it will be where you'll get to take the classes on your own time, but then you'll also be able to meet with me three times through the course of the three months that we'll be meeting together. And I will use my intuition and my mediumship to kind of help guide your experience and, um, and, and yeah, you'll have access to all of the online courses that I develop thereafter. So even if you're just at the very beginning stages of figuring out who you are and how you want to show up in this experience, you'll have access to that information so you can keep working as you move along through your spiritual journey. Woo! Wow. How am I so lucky to be surrounded by such amazing, talented, go-getting women? Right. Like, how, how did I get this? Thank you, God, for sending me here. Oh, actually, I think I chose to come here. Oh, my gosh. Let's go. Good thing I've been doing my growth, people, because this is what happens. You start attracting people, um, things that are going to help getting you to go to where it is you want to go. And on that note, Isela, um, would you like to kick us off and let, let's get to know Elise a little bit, because I know she's over there anxious and she's probably a little nervous inside because she knows that I'm about to open her up a little bit. Well, I'm super excited to have you here, Elise. I um, don't know you. I want to put that out there into the universe. I do not know Elise before this moment. Now, maybe at some spiritual level, we do know one another, right? <laughs> Definitely. We got to somehow. Somehow we're part of a soul family. Um, and so Mark does have a relationship with you outside of this podcast. So everything that everything you share with me is going to be new information to me. So I'm excited to get to know you. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Cool. Thank you so much, you guys. I'm so grateful. I think that whenever any of us get together on this kind of like spiritual plane, we start to integrate with each other, regardless of whether we're intentional about it or not, because subliminally, Ooh, 
that was always our intention, right? So for those of you who do not know me, and so nice to meet you, my dear, I'm so excited for our relationship to start. My name is Elise Alexander. I live in San Francisco, California, and I'm a wealth mindset business coach, transformational speaker, and trader. So what that means is what I really help people with is connecting their worth with their wealth, as well as showing them that mindset is exactly where it starts, because everything changes when you go from... Um, maybe five figures a year, six figures a year into transitioning into the mindset of a seven, eight figure earner, because it is such a long-term investment and such a long-term mentality. So I help with mindset as well as passive income strategy and mindset around that as well, because realistically, everyone in 2022 is so focused on the, how do we do it better? How do we do it easier? How do we do it less hard? And for me, I was very interested in passive income, but I had no idea what any of that meant. And since I had no idea how to even do business, even though my parents were entrepreneurs, I wanted to do business that felt good to me, that made everything feel good to me. So I started discovering ways to teach other people on different forms of passive income that made it feel good to them so they could have a life that felt good to them. Because how many of you can raise your hand probably and say that you've gotten a nine to five job that made you feel uncomfortable because you had to? Right, right. (laughs) Been there, done that, said, fuck it. So I, I kind of want to stop you right here because I yeah. think what you have to offer is going to be huge for a lot of us. And I want to tell you why. So a lot, and now I come from poverty. So I come from a history, historical, generational poverty. My family, um, I think on one, well, on one side of my family, we were migrant workers. And so we worked, um, we moved across the United States based on where the agriculture was growing and, you know, where we could make money. And my other side of the family is uh, directly from Mexico. So I have family who are, my father, it was born in Mexico, raised, a, um, I, he came when he was a child. He was like seven when he was a child. And so I am first generation. And one of the things that I think happens with those of us in poverty is we do live in this state, this constant state of there's not enough. There's not enough. And one of the things that I learned early on now, I did this in an unhealthy way. Um, I used to get attention for doing well in school and I, that's where love was, was expressed. And so what happened was I did well and, you know, I earned my doctorate and I had a job that, um, you know, in my field of work, which is early intervention and trauma, working around trauma for young children. Um, I made a lot of money. And in my Hispanic cultural background, the idea that I would leave a job when I had a lot of freedom within that work, the administrators at the time, the executives really trusted the decisions I made and um, I made good money. So why the hell would you leave that? And so I come from this history of there's never enough money, you you know, you're going to you're going to lose that money eventually. So you need to make sure that, you know, you live life. (laughs) And this is why people get their check and go buy the five, um, the 50 inch TV, because it's like all or nothing mentality. Um, And then that worthiness kicks into play where we start to question our worthiness around, right, our self-worth and our financial worth. So I want to put that out there because I think that a lot of us people of color don't really recognize the implication of those early historical traumatic experiences around money. 
and how that impacts us in our day-to-day experiences. So I want to just put that out there. And now I want you to just talk about what you mean by generational, I think you said wealth, the generational wealth gap. And I think I I also want you to talk about, um, you were talking about doing what feels good for you and making money doing that. So share more about that. Oh, Isela, thank you for sharing, by the way, because I am someone, okay, let's like put it on the table. It's very obvious I'm white. So for someone (laughs) like me, who grew up knowing, I guess there is a little bit of privilege. I always thought that eventually one day my parents would teach me. And Isela, I think that the mistake that a lot of people make is that just because you are a certain color, sex, origin, that someone shows you this information. And let me be the one to lay the smack down down and say, no, that is not true. My parents built what they could for themselves My father made a million dollars at 21. It absolutely transformed his life, but I would never want to make money the way he made money. And I'll explain further, but I really wanted to like, um, I guess, crush that idea that like we all get taught from whoever it is that's just showing us because I noticed that I grew up around a lot of men. So to me, the wealth gap started from a very early age. It started from the age of five because I noticed that wealth to me didn't mean money, even at a young age. It always meant intuition. It always meant bringing something together. It always meant balance because I always saw one side of the coin. So I would see people working really, really hard at their job, never spending any time with their kids never being able to release that energy of like, I always have to be going, I always have to be doing something. And I know that a lot of other people feel that energy as well. Right. Because then we get to this place where we're like, okay, like I want to relax and you can't because you have this belief. We're taught that you Mm -hmm. need to hustle. Mm -hmm. If you don't make it, you didn't work hard enough. Like that's, that's what we are taught. So to, un- and I'm, I'm guilty of this too, because I am the best of the best hustler, right? Um, granted, my field is a little bit different because I do, you know, like I said, crisis intervention, I work with people that, you know, have lived, have had difficult experiences of life. And so, uh, but the hustle is a very real experience. And I bought into that for so long. I bought into that because we're taught that you got to work hard. You got to push through your, um, your exhaustion. You got, and, and in that's in itself, that's traumatic, right? And that's where the gap really sits yeah. is, you know, to me, closing the wealth gap, it's not just talking about how to fix this current generation. It is fixing us first, fixing your own soul first, so that you can then put the oxygen mask on somebody else. Because throughout my whole life, all I heard was hustle, 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 hustle. hustle, hustle. Hence why I created my first program to be from hustle to flow. Because I saw that everybody was working so hard. And then you know what I noticed, Isela? The thing that really got me about the gap. What got me was that when I saw the people who had millions upon billions upon billions of dollars, I would go to see them to hang out with them. And I would walk into their house and watch them crying on the floor. I would watch their inability to be able to handle their own emotions. I would watch them as the gap got bigger. So for me, the gap is emotional, it's spiritual, 
It's intellectual. It is about your mind and your body and the way that you connect all of them together. So the gap closing for me is more about helping one person so that it can change the entire generational line and break the chains, right? Because maybe you have an issue with getting money. Maybe you have an issue with keeping money. And maybe you have an issue with growing money. We all have these different experiences with wealth. But for me, closing the gap, it's about showing people that you can be incredibly wealthy with emotional connection with relationships. You know, I'll give you an example before I move on to answering the next question, which is that, you know, Ken Honda, who's one of the most famous intellectual um, minds of our time. Arigato in, arigato out. (laughs) Exactly. He shared the other day that he, his goal is to give away a hundred percent of his money. So that by the end of his life, that he leaves this planet with nothing because we come in with nothing. So he wants to leave with nothing. And he said, someone asked him a question and said, well, Honda, what happens if you turn to be like 90 years old and you have no money left? And he said, well, my friends, I will make sure that my friends are there to support me because friends are just as valuable as money. So to to finish that up and round it out, (laughs) it really focuses on what your definition of wealth is and what your definition of where you go and what you want to do with money that feels good to you. Because what I noticed was when I was working nine to five jobs or I was working three jobs, seven days a week, I would get sick eight times a year. And honestly, I would go to work and I would look at the clock until I left. And I loved what I did. I was a chocolatier for six and a half years after culinary school. But yet that environment, that toxicity, everything comes back. And guess what? That childhood trauma that you shoved all the way down. Well, unfortunately, it does not stay there and it keeps coming up and it keeps coming up. So to make money that felt good to me, I had to go all the way down the rabbit hole, figure out where the rabbit hole started and start to fully allow myself to experience these emotions, to make money feel good to me. Because if not, even if I made money that felt good to me in the way that I wanted to do it, being a coach versus being um, someone else's employee, I still had those traumatic issues coming back to bite me. Yeah. And I think something else that shows up, because this is all stuff that I have either work through or I'm continuing to kind of reflect upon because of just, again, cultural, the cultural lens. There is this sense also of um, guilt around making more money than the rest of your family and the responsibility that you feel that you're supposed to somehow take care of everybody. And that's a deep rooted cultural belief. And I think that that's what gets in the way of us as brown folks and I'm gonna say black folks too, of really stepping into our power because there's that deep rooted, how, what do you mean you're not gonna take care of your family if you make a lot of money? You know, you have, that's your responsibility. So we then sabotage unfortunately. So I think that's, again, another one of those traumatic experiences that I think a lot of us have um, experienced, even if it's at a deep subconscious level. You know, I would love to talk about responsibility and expectations, because I think those are two very key words that flow in and out that not a lot of people have redefined for themselves. Um, Mark, you want to enter that? 
Yeah, well, but, well, before we move on, right? Because I can really put this into perspective because we touched on a lot of things, right? We touched about, we talked about like hustling and bustling. We talked about making a lot of money and people crying on the floor still because they were not, they, they were not harmonized well, right? We talked about a lot of different things, you know what I mean? Especially um, we got two beautiful women that are on here and that's a whole other fucking conversation, right? Um, in this day and age, because it's just the way this system has been built to really keep us all separated and kind of down and not being able to look up. And then we fight each other like crabs in a bucket in order to make it forward, right? So I've had this, right? But my whole life, right? You talked about my migrant workers, right? And people will ask, how did you get to Washington? And I, and I laugh and I joke. I was like, well, I think that's where most apples were at at the time. So my grandpa and everybody migrated out there and said, they go go pick that shit. Right. And people laugh, but it, it might have been true. I don't know. I might have made that up, but I didn't talk to my family enough to figure that out. Right. I just kind of just assumed in a sense, because in Washington state, there is a lot of agriculture. There's a lot of work for that type of stuff. Right. And so I grew up understanding that my dad was like, work hard, work hard, mom, work hard, work hard, bust your ass, get grades, get good grades. So my form of wealth, my, my, my understanding of getting that, my form of getting love was to get good grades. So then I get praised. Right. So then I go forward a little bit and I start dealing drugs. Right. I start making a lot of money in the restaurant. Right. I think at 21, I, I signed my first contract saying, hey, we're going to pay twenty five thousand dollars to be a slave. I didn't understand management meant slave. Right. And so I did this. I was like, oh, my God, twenty five thousand a year. That's a lot of money until you break it down and say, wait a minute. Hold on. I got duped into this shit. But at the same time, I'm selling drugs. So I have a lot of money. So to me, it's like I got all the time in the world. I'm young. I'm fly. I got a bunch of women on my arms and shoulders and i'm just like yeah let's go do this on dealing drugs so it's just all there but at the same time i wasn't happy like i didn't want or need for anything but then you talked about having to take care of your family because i had that there were certain motherfucking family members that would live with you and they wouldn't pay their bills on time or pay their rent right and then you would ask them hey they're like well you got the money man you should be able to take care of me and then the whole family jumps on you because they're like oh you think you're too good you're over here fucking think you're better because you're it's like no I worked hard and did this, and my expectation of you is to handle your own shit, right? And so I've seen that over and over through life, and I really didn't put this concept together until later on in life. And my brother had brought this to my attention through me and him having to miss communications, and I was taking care of him and paying bills, and he was being late on bills, and I was getting upset, and that old trauma came up, and I couldn't breathe anymore until I finally took my power back and said, you know what? XYZ. Not only was I taking care of somebody, but I was also hindering their ability to move forward. So in a nutshell, that's kind of how you see it play out in somebody's life. Right. And then once again, too, because I am coming from a Hispanic background, but I also had a lot of American friends. Like I was into white girls and I still am. Lisa. Wink wink. But you get what I'm saying? So I understood and I saw a lot of different dynamics because I paid attention to the households of my friends that I would go hang out with all the time and see how their parents were. And some of these motherfuckers made a lot of money. We're talking about BMWs, Porsches in the car way. I had girls picking me up in their mom's bins and shit like, damn, this is nice. And I knew how to, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, But here we are now. So I just want our listeners to really see how that kind of looked like through the life and the lens. and um. Well, we could go on and on about this, but in the basic of life, that's how we kind of got to this point in our lives right now. So next level, where are we at? So I love you guys so dearly because I think it's so important that 
you know, spirituality and all of this connection, it gets to be serious, but it also gets to be playful. And I really love how much perspective that both of you bring up because it is really important, right? And I think that one thing that all of us have in common, no matter what age you are, no matter which sex you are, no matter what's going on, is that you do have this sense of um, expectation that one day you will be the one in charge. And I'm not talking about like in charge of um, life, but in charge of like your family name, like you're the last one. Ooh. And I'll tell you why it is that I got on this specific track, because my grandparents in their early 50s got diagnosed with Alzheimer's and dementia. And for people who, you know, very similarly, like my grandfather is Greek and did not speak any English for like 15 years. My grandmother actually taught him how to speak English. And my grandmother was a teacher in the South side of Chicago for 25 years. My grandfather worked at a bank and having two people who obviously had like similar paths, but really were always money chasing and not purpose chasing because it's easier to money chase and not purpose chase. But I'll tell you that, you know, we all kind of go about life and we just kind of continue. And you know that like eventually you need to take care of them, but then all of a sudden shit hits the fan. This was five and a half years ago for me and it absolutely changed my life. I was not in a good relationship at the time. I was in a very abusive relationship. I was someone who thought, okay, eventually like one day we'll figure this all out. And I got a phone call from my brother. He's four, four and a half years older than me. He's never asked me for anything in my whole life. And he said, Elise, I need you. And I said, okay. Next day, got on the plane, landed in Las Vegas. My grandparents had moved from Chicago to Las Vegas. They're 70 years of things. They were already not lucid. Mm -hmm. So by the time we opened the front door, the front door was stacked with things. So we had to push everything in, in order to get into the house. So at this, at this point in understanding and recognizing that they're probably not even mentally there, I had never even gotten to know my grandparents on either side, if I'm being honest with you, because there was always that mentality of like, work, 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 eventually we'll figure it out. And then 54, 55, my grandparents all of a sudden, in a week, had no idea who they were. And everyone says, no one can take anything from you. Well, guess what? We were sitting in a house full of stuff and they had no idea who we were. And when you experience someone you've known for your whole life who then cannot recognize you, it is a pain that I do not wish anybody to experience. It is a personal kind of hurt that you cannot rip outside of you. And I don't care where you grew up, what kind of circumstances are going on around you. No one deserves to feel that feeling. And for me, getting to experience them at that level and to understand it does not matter which way you decide to go up that ladder if you do not choose to take care of yourself, if you do not choose to put you first, and if you do not choose to be your parents. And I don't say that in any way disrespectfully. I say that in a way to heal yourself first so that you can heal the next and the next and the next. And my grandfather passed away last year and I have to live with that. You know, my grandmother's still alive. She still has no idea who she is. But I knew that when I had grandkids, that I wanted to hold them. I knew that I wanted to be able to play around on the floor and get back up. I knew that being able to have a discussion on how my children 
and their grandchildren and their grandchildren found a way to get to their love, because that's something you and I have all talked about, is their love also connects to wealth and worth. Wow, that's that's powerful. That is really, really powerful. And to see it from that perspective, right? Um, a lot of us don't realize how fortunate we are to have these um, people still in our lives, right? Especially when it comes to grandparents. I wasn't really close to my grandparents. And the one that really like loved me probably the most passed away at like 34, 35. And that was my mom's dad. He died of diabetes, right? Which is really interesting that that was tied to kind of how my spiritual journey happened, right? Diabetes, I was on a borderline. And then my grandpa just popped in my head and I thought to myself, I don't want to be, I'm at his age. Well, okay. I'm like four years over his age now where he was when he passed away. But that's interesting how something like that, a generation, right, could really trigger our spiritual awakening, even though we don't know that it's happening in the moment. We just know there's a change made. So thank you for sharing that because these are not easy things. Could you notice, Mark, that you were also repeating some of the same patterns that he was? Because I noticed that I was repeating some of the same patterns that my parents did, even though I knew better. Yeah. When I when I listen, like like when I hear the stories and I and I and I hear them, yeah, I can see, right? Um, some of them I didn't, but a lot of them we were because they were handed down and I seen them through my mom. So then when I started listening to the stories about my grandpa from other people, then I see them in my mom, I'm like, oh. Right. And I hear stories. I'm like, oh, shit. I, holy smokes. And so and, and that in that sense, my dad and my grandpa were very similar. Right. In one way. But then my dad, my mom and my grandpa were super duper similar. Right. And so that's where I got a lot of my walls. That's where I got a lot of fuck you. I could do this on my own type shit. Right. So thank you for sharing that once again, because like, you know what I mean? There's these are all important aspects and there's not just one road. Right. It's like all encompassing. And it's it it, it it all makes sense when you start to reverse engineer your life and really pay attention and listen to other people's stories by sharing. Right. And getting creative and, and figuring out a way to get your word and your voice out. Shella, what are your thoughts? So, Elise, tell us in your work. Um, where do you think the issue is in terms of developing that relationship with wealth? Um, just the idea of wealth, you know, and worthiness, like where, where do you see those connections and what gets in the way? So what do you see in terms of self-sabotage or belief systems or being, um, you know, Abraham, I don't know if you know about Abraham Hicks, but Abraham Hicks talks about being in the flow, right? You know, that the grind is often you're going against the flow. So what do you see as the biggest obstacles or barriers to keep people from connecting to that part of themselves that, you know, can, can easily manifest well? Brilliant question, first of all. Brilliant question. Okay, we're going to go down a long list, but I'm going to give you major uh, detail about the, the first two. Okay. Number one, yeah, biggest thing that gets in the way is ourselves. Right. We convince ourselves from our very long list of what we already have evidence <laughs> from our history of why we're not meant to do this, of why maybe this isn't the right time, of why maybe it's never going to change, of why it didn't work for our parents, so it's not going to work for us, or of why everything is now happening the way that it is. So I would say number one thing that gets in the way is ourselves 
but really it's not us. It's the limiting beliefs that you have inside of you that came from somebody else. So I want to explain something. Yeah. Say what that is. So the limited beliefs that come from somebody else that you don't acknowledge are in your head. How I have come to figure this out is, you know, when you go to think about something, how if you're like on your phone or you're looking at something and you're like, okay, yeah, like I'm thinking about something and you notice how all of a sudden there's like several different conversations happening. When there's more than one conversation happening in your head, it's not you. That's somebody else's either experimentation, idea, concept, thought, feeling that has been pushed into you. Because as children, we are all beautiful, authentic beings. And the older we get, the more someone else comes in and says, you know what, maybe that wasn't like the way that you should have done that. Or you know what, maybe you could do this a little bit better. And these feelings start to develop about how other people say things to us that we start to shrink a little bit and then a little bit more, and then a little bit more until we're right here. And when you're right here, you literally have a thought that turns into another thought, that turns into another thought, that turns into another thought. That's one of my key indications that there's more than one of me inside my head. Something else that I do that helps me with this is when I say something to myself, because let's let's be real, everyone's talking to themselves. Everybody. (laughs) (laughs) When I say things to myself, I ask myself, is that true? And sometimes the mind is super sneaky and it'll give you a yes. And that's why I have to have a second stigma because you can ask yourself, is it true? And then automatic thought, you're like, well, someone gave me evidence that this was true. So I'm going to say it's true. So I have to ask myself a second question. Is it really true? Or is it the idea? And so once you get there, you can start to understand, okay, we at least know there's somebody else's thoughts and feelings inside of our head. It doesn't mean that you have to distinguish who it is because if you're an overcoming perfectionist like me, you're like not going to let it go until you can figure out whose voices they are. But then it sends you into a tizzy and then we become so over mentally stimulated that you don't want to feel anymore. And this is what I notice a lot of people are at, right? Because you ask me, how do people connect worth to wealth if they don't know? And this is the key factor, which is when you don't know, either you get in the way or you just cut it off and you shove all of your emotions, all of your feelings, all of your everything so far down. So then you don't have to worry about it. But then what you started talking about shows up, self-sabotage, the idea of, um, let's just call it what it is, depression naps, the concept of doing something halfway and then not finishing it. These intellectual, uh, let's call them like attacks, (laughs) are the things that come back to get us. But because we've always been told like, you're too emotional or don't feel that way. That's my favorite. Like, don't ever allow anyone to tell you don't feel that way. You are 100% entitled to your emotions. And the reason we self-sabotage is because we feel like we shouldn't feel that way. Or that, you know what, maybe if we're the ones who throw it down a well, then it's fine and we'll never have to come back and get it. But one of the things that really got me with self-sabotage was that I started continuing to do it, Isela, and then I couldn't figure out how to stop it. 
And I would love to give um, a tip for those of people who are having that hard time connecting those things. The first thing that you have to do is receive. Because one of the biggest issues that connects wealth and worth is being able to receive. I want to stop you right there because, and don't lose where you're at, but this is one of the um, biggest, I think, challenges, particularly for women, um, because we are taught and raised to be givers. And we are expected to care for everyone. And it is selfish if we put ourselves before anyone else. And so what happens is we don't practice the process of receiving, whether it be love, help, advice, support. We don't practice the process of receiving wholeheartedly because we're expected to be strong and to show up to care for others. And it becomes a vulnerability. It becomes something that now we're afraid of because we've lived, you know, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years and beyond a certain way that now we don't even know how to allow ourselves to receive, even if it's affection and love, right? Thank you. What's that? I think that's a really, really big, big part of this healing process is learning how to receive. 100% so true. Because yes, like we could talk about self-sabotage all day. We could talk about how to manifest. But if you don't know how to receive, then none of that, none of that matters. Because I'll tell you what, what got it for me, right? Because I very much similarly like you, Isela, um, was born and bred and uh, forced into this idea that, well, if you don't like what you have, and you want more, then you're just like uh, a taker. Yeah. You can't be okay with what you have and want more. And I've had my family say that to me. Like, well, is what you have not enough? No, it's not that. But I also want more and that's okay because I know I'm meant for more. So I would love to give you a couple of steps um, for your viewers to be able to help them receive. Does that sound yeah. good? Awesome, yeah. Awesome, okay. So first step to receiving is willingness. Number one, you have to be willing. Because if you aren't willing to receive, if you're not even willing to go down that mental landscape, you're not going to get there. So number one, willingness. Number two, safety. You need to feel safe. Because when you feel safe is when you allow yourself to start to expand. When we don't feel safe, this is kind of what it looks like, right? This doesn't look like receiving. This looks like, no, don't talk to me. Don't touch me. Third step is the ability to get quiet. Because a lot of people, like we're talking about, we're very phone oriented. We're very um, outward oriented. And we're always looking for the problem answer and everything else outside of ourselves. But I'm going to give you a gift that someone gave me a long time ago which is that we have everything that we need already inside of us. So step number four, you have everything you need already inside of you. So after you have now become willing, after you've now become safe, after you're sitting there waiting, you give yourself one more gift and you ask yourself, how much better can it get? And then you sit 
and you wait. That is a practice that I do by myself. I'm going to give you another step that you could do with someone else. Because I think it's important to be able to do by yourself as well as with others because we need to be able to connect, right? So for me, if, if I am with someone else, I establish that safety with my partner, no matter who it is. I establish that everything that is said in this conversation stays here. And I also establish that whatever it is that you want to let go, you are allowed to. And the only extra step in this is asking the other person, is it okay for me to give to you? And you'll start to notice, right? The other person will start to acknowledge, okay, this is what it feels like to receive. Maybe it feels uncomfortable. Maybe it feels like there's something coming up in my chest. Maybe I'm starting to turn a little bit because I don't like it. But that at least gives you a safe place to start and to be able to express. Hope that helps. Yeah. And I want to say something about safety. Okay. Um, Because I think the willingness for some people is a huge step. I think a critical step is that sense of safety because what happens is if you do not feel safe, your nervous system fires and what that, and you go into a reactive state, you immediately close your ability to receive because you are in a hypervigilant reactive state. Now, why I want to say this is because if you are in a toxic relationship or if you are in situations where your family is not supportive of you, it's okay for you to say, hey, you know what? Thanks for the ride. It's been fun, (laughs) but I need to make choices that are better for my inner well-being. And you have to be willing to step into your own power and establish those boundaries. Because I really think there is a connection between who you surround yourself with and whether you do feel safe and the ability to really step into your your wealth and whatever that means, right? And it doesn't have to be financial wealth. There are lots of ways, that you, as you mentioned before. But I think that if you're in a chronic state of not feeling emotionally and physically safe, you're not going to get there. So this is huge. One super duper huge. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's put this in the play, guys. How about that? Right. Because those were some really amazing tips and everything we covered so far has been super duper dope for 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 creating wealth and your well-being and really getting connected to yourself and your mindset. Right. And really changing things. So let's. Okay, okay. Willing. Can we can we can we switch gears a little bit here? Is that okay? Can we switch some gears? Right. Because I'm a creative person. Right. And I understand like life and creativity and generating wealth sometimes it takes some creative um background maybe maybe it takes some maybe these traumas have really pushed down our creativity and because i know elise right are you willing let's take your steps elise are you willing to step into the uncomfortable right now right (laughs) (laughs) where are we going um so what here we go here here's the steps right is elise understood that Coming on here, she was willing to step into an uncomfortable situation, right? Possibly because this is live, right? Two, she understands that we created a safe space 
here and it's up to her if she wants to step forward right she understands now do you understand at least that you have everything already inside of you and you're you're, you're all copacetic and whatnot yes i do right what was your uh what was your fourth step what was the fourth one one two three four what was the fifth get quiet oh get quiet right did you take some time to get quiet before you hop on this call I did. I did a whole ponopono med- meditation. It was wonderful. <laughs> yes. So with that being said, let, let, let's take this back because you, you, we've been working on some things. Do you mind if I bring this up? Yes. <laughs> you do mind? No, I don't mind. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll say, make sure this shit's clear. So I love music and me and Elise got connected because of music. Right. And Elise has been working through some things. She really wants to to step out and start utilizing her voice and her creativity. So is there is there a way like how our wealth is determined by like not clearing out our traumas? Is it possible that your creativity and the thoughts of stepping out to share your voice um, stemmed from some of these traumas from back then? So anybody going through any creative blockages or anything like that? Um, is, is, is these very will these similar steps help in the creative process, you think? Mm, great point. Um, I do 100% think so, because I think our creativity is also stemmed in receiving, right? Because we, um, when we create when we're little kids, we don't create for anybody else, right? Like you create for you and you like that picture. But then all of a sudden, between like the ages of four or five, you start to notice that people want to hand off that picture. And I give you this example because I worked in a museum a couple of months ago. And what I noticed about all the kids was that they weren't excited to see the sculptures or any of the pieces. They were excited to show their parents the pieces. So all of a sudden we transition into this people-pleasing aspect of that. But I think that at the core of what you and I just talked about is this ability to uncover so I think that those steps would also help someone uncover um, the blocks that transcend into creativity. Because I do think that wealth blocks, creativity blocks, they all stem from the same place. Um, but I think you have to get comfortable with being, um, being willing to be wrong, being willing to be imperfect, um, saying F it if it doesn't go the way you want it to, because creativity and like creating something means that you have to be willing to, um, not have it be perfect on the first try. And for me, that's something that has been extremely difficult and something that I've like almost wanted to hit a wall because of, because I started to understand that I had to go deeper inside of myself to ask myself, is this your creativity? Or is this the perfectionist version of you that's trying to create something? So I think it would help someone. I think there's also extra steps, though, that need to be acknowledged um, if you wanted to use it in a creativity manner. I think uh, creativity is risk-taking. And the reason why it's a risk is because we have been socially conditioned to what is acceptable and what isn't. I think what's really critical about creativity is um, we don't, when we're in the truest alignment of creation, we are actually in alignment with source. So you're not actually creating, it's a co-creational experience. And this is why there are, there's music that stands the test of time. There are movies that have inspired many, many at the deepest level of their soul. That isn't just the person who imagined this. This is an alignment with source. 
And so this is why that getting quiet is so critically important because you have to be able to discern whose voice you're hearing. Are you hearing your voice, the voice of the ego, or are you hearing the voice of source? And that's where creation can blossom. Now, I've written seven books, and I am in the editing process of the of book one, and it's taken me a little bit of time to get to it just because of other things. But I have to tell you, I know all of this, and in my work, at, in my work, in my what I do in terms of education and um, and trauma and understanding how to heal from trauma, I step into that full on, full power. My books that I have written, there is a part of me, I'm very proud of this work because there's a spiritual undercurrent. It's, it's based on my life. Um, but they're young adult, well, they're not young adult, they're new adult books. And so there's a lot of sex and there's a lot of fucking and there's a lot of like, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, Sounds like my 20s and early yeah. 30s. Let's the, go. The about it though is I, I really, Keep it hard. in terms of the generation, that's why I'm reaching the spirituality undercurrent um, for this younger generation. And, um, and there's a part of me that is fucking scared to put it out into the world. And I know that. I know that. And it's going to get it. I'm going to do it. I'm eventually going to do it. Yes, you are. There's the fear of, right, that critique that, oh, my God, somebody's going to say this book fucking sucks. And the very good thing about I'm an avid reader, I read about seven books a week. Um, I got like four books on my bed. (laughs) I'm a Kindle reader. And um, and so my books that I, and the, the four fun books, I read reviews all the time that some people are like, this is a five-star read, love this book. And then the next one is like, this book sucks. So I realized that <clears throat> it's really the, you know, if somebody's going to love it, somebody's not going to love it. So part of, I think, the experience is recognizing the truth of who you are without afraid of what other people think of you. That's mm. a social conditioning thing. Right. Yes. And I want to touch on something because this is really important right here. Right. Because I, I just read I'm reading Big Magic right now. Right. And it's by the lady that created um, Love, Pray, Eat or some shit like that. Right. The movie I with Julia. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. Right. The movie with Julia. I think Julia Roberts was in there. Why not? I never read the book, but I watched the movie. That's right. how I do things. Right. Anyhow, I noticed that I, I've been creating music my whole life. Right. I have a digital diary is basically what it is. I didn't realize that I was a writer and I kept the journal, but my journal was digital. Right. And I noticed that I get into my creativity blocks is when I am creating music for others. Like, oh, I want people to I, like I have an outcome. I'm attached to an outcome over here. Right. So I struggle because I'm trying to make it perfect. But I noticed that when I get the fuck out my way and I just create what's true to me. And I do it for me. So when I listen to that, I get inspired. So when I listen, I can feel all the emotions so I can cry, so I can heal, so I can work through the shit and tell my story. It doesn't matter. The rest is just going to fall into place. And I and, and and reading this book is basically what she says, right? People are like, I want this and I want to I want to create books to help people. It's like, wait a minute, wait, create it to help you. And then the rest will fall in line because people love authenticity, right? The authenticity versus the the the, the profession of it or the uh, analytical parts of it, right? Because people fall in love with the authentic self. And when I looked back at this album that I'm creating, it came to me just like, and it's a vulnerable situation because and, and it's spiritual. And I'm thinking to myself, like, who's gonna fucking want to listen to this shit? 
when I'm talking about meeting somebody in the stars and then they found you on earth and then you're going through all this crazy shit and you're working through your bullshit, right? It's like, how do you, like, who wants to hear that? But here we are having these conversations, right? Because now I'm scared because I got the shit and it came so quick. And when, when um, Isela says you're in communion, you're, you're in co-creation, right? Because a lot of it is just being downloaded. And that's how you know it's coming so easy, right? But still, when I got these and I'm sending them off, and then something happens in the relationship, and then or something happens, and you're like, oh, I just want to scrap this shit. However, you got to look at it as a piece of information. So when you look back, you connect the dots and be like, oh, shit. This wasn't just to entertain people. This was to help me heal and clear out stuff to get to the next level. So when I see that review that says, this fucking album's stupid. Who writes sci-fi music? Get the fuck out of here, you and your fucking hocus pocus shit, right? At that level, I should have cleared enough out of myself that it's like, well, you know what I mean? Tell that to all the fucking 800 million screaming women that are out that window now. Yeah, buddy. What? <laughs> okay, Justin Bieber. Um, <laughs> hang on, because I really, I really want to touch on something that both of you just hit, which is this ability to receive yes from source. But something that I learned very quickly in this um, very closed tunnel that we're on with the light at the end is that you have to choose who you receive from. And I'm not talking about like receive it all or not receive it all. This is not a black and white situation, but who are you going to choose to receive it from to where it means something to you? So I'm going to explain something really quick. Brene Brown is someone obviously who's very, very famous for explaining courage and shame and all the things that she talks about. But I truly believe that if you are not a gladiator in the arena with blood on your face, you do not get an option to have an opinion to say something to me or to think that something else is coming from my pure heart that is not. And when the moment that I heard that, I started to connect and understand that there will always be people who come up and say that. So one of the things that Brene Brown talks about privately and also Patrice Washington talks about is if you have those people who are going to make those comments, then this is what you have to do you can never look at the YouTube comments. You can never sit down and read all of your book reviews because it, it won't give you joy. It won't bring you the integrity and the value that you're looking for. It will only bring you pain because hurt people want to hurt people. Hurt people. I actually have a t-shirt that says that. I have a t-shirt that says, I want one. Um, key to life's happiness, never read the comments. <laughs> <laughs> Because what do I know to be true? Right. This world is a hard place for some, and it's way easier to do this than it is to be in the ring. Yeah, Yeah, you got those fucking internet thugs. You ain't shit, bitch. Like, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, you ain't. You can't even fucking put together three sentences that make sense. (laughs) But I'll tell you that I've had the same fears that you guys had. Mark, do you want to know why it is that I ended up singing the other day? Yes, tell me why. That's where we want to get to the good shit, yo. Come on, let's go. So I'm just joking. I was like, so I started because even though, Isela, I had the same fear that you had. Like, what if someone doesn't like it? What if my voice cracks? What if I can't breathe? What if all of a sudden something just comes up and like the screen goes blank? I had the same exact fears. And I had been telling Mark for two weeks since he told me the first time, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's fine. I know I'm going to do it. Don't worry about it. I know I'm going to do it. And you know what I needed in order to get through was to have more than two people 
care enough about me that no matter what happened, someone was going to receive it. So I knew that if I had two people that were spiritually integrated, connected, and trusted enough to where it was a safe space, I could hold the rest of the space. So it didn't matter. And for, for me, that was Mark and Ivan, because you guys gave me the space to jump, even though it literally scared the crap out of me. And then like, I didn't even want to relook at it. You know, when I launch books or I launch songs or I write things, sometimes I just close it right after. And I'm like, I need a minute. <laughs> but I hope that helps, um, Isola, in terms of like uh, knowing that there's people like two specific people, because even when I launch podcasts, even when I launch my book, like I send it to my two best friends at the same time that I submit it, not because I'm wanting their opinion, but because I'm sharing with them, Hey, I did it. It's out. I know you support me. And then it feels good. Yeah. I, you know, it's all an internal experience for me. Like, you know, intellectually, I totally get it. It really is just, you know, it's a, it's a, it, I think anytime anyone creates anything, there's a scary experience um, and I think it's, it, it moves into, um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? It, it moves into the experience of thinking that folks are going to find out that you don't know enough or that you didn't know you have your the imposter shit. syndrome That's shit we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, so I think, but it's, it really is an emotional experience rather than an intellectual experience for me. Um, because intellectually I get it. I mean, you know, when I sit down and talk to some folks, I'm like, you know what, I don't know what the fuck the scary thing is because I already know this shit, you know, like I, and so it really is a recognizing the emotions that come up for us. And I think this is true for anything that you're, any endeavor that you're doing that's different than what is typical, that you're, you're typical, you're normal, because our brains and our bodies want to move us into the familiar. And anytime we step out of the familiar, um, your body is going to react. You're going to have an emotional experience. The key is to recognize it and to go, you know what? Oh, that uncertainty. I feel you uncertainty in my gut. Like I feel you there. And, and to recognize it and move through the experience, um, stepping forward as you do. You know, it's, it's just any time we are changing, we are trying to grow, we are trying to unearth the truth of who we are. It is uncomfortable. And it's just the willingness to be comfortable with the state of feeling discomfort. And you said oh. something really dope, right? Know what to do, but taking what you know and getting it into motion are two different things, right? We can hear the shit over and over and over and over. Don't do that. Don't do that. Mama, you tell me, don't do that. Don't do that. And then guess what? I knew I shouldn't have did it, but I did it anyways. Get what's up? Them fucking snake bit me, right? It's like, you don't fucking play with snakes. Why? Because motherfuckers are, they're, they're dangerous sometimes, right? Luckily, it wasn't poisonous. I'm not talking, I really, I would never really touch a snake, but you get what I'm saying. Like, there were other things. That, Mark. My mom would be like, stay away from that little hoochie over there. And I'm like, but she's so fine, mom. You stay away, right? And then you you learn, you live and you learn, right? Yeah. It got my heart broken a lot when I was young and it turned me into who I am today. Actually, it turned me into who I was in my 20s and 30s, right? But that was a lot of that. We know we shouldn't be doing something. And I did it anyways, right? We so, need support, Mark. We huh? can't do, you know what? The moment that I could acknowledge that I had brought myself as far as I could go 
by myself was the moment that I could allow someone else to help me because yeah. I had to admit that I didn't have the answers. I had to admit that even though I thought I was right, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? Because you can't be wealthy. Okay, I'm going to say it this way. You can be rich and not have to feel worthy. But if you are wealthy, you have to feel worthy. True, true story. That's that. I like that. I like the way you 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 really clarified that. I'm glad you backed the fuck up and you said, wait, 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 wait. Let me reword it because wording is all important, right? And perspective is important. And you said something really great. Also, is dream work. Teamwork makes the dream work in a sense, right? And it's picking your fucking team. Like I didn't choose my family, right? I didn't get to choose my coworkers. But when I move on into the world. You yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> okay. Mark I chose the family that I had in order to get me to this moment yeah, right here. Yeah. So then I could go through the lessons that said go ahead and let them go. I chose my family and the ones that I wanted to let go to learn those lessons. Right. And then within these realms, within this circle, we created this family. There we go. Thank you for making me back the fuck up, Lisa. Uh, Isela. Thank you for making me go back and reword my shit. Thank you. Welcome to Brown and Spiritual AF, people. I do have a question, another question that I want you to, to speak to, because this is something that I think we need to hear. Um, you mentioned something about doing what you love and making money doing what you love. Um, you know, I think a lot of folks go into careers because they think that's what they're supposed to do. And they get stuck, you know, especially as I look at the younger generation. So I'm a Gen Xer. So I'm on, you know, the Bro, you don't look at you look nice. Yeah, okay. Continue. I'm, Ooh. I'm 50. So I'm older. Almost doesn't I'm, count. I'm that <laughs> <laughs> I'm that generation. And I look at um, I look at this younger generation. Well, I look at our history of, of um, watching our parents lose their jobs. Right. And then I think our generation was the first generation that started to go, wait, I need to look out for myself. Like, um, my job isn't going to take care of me. You know, boomers were st stayed in jobs, hell or high water, didn't matter how management treated them because they got, they got this retirement fund. They got a lot of money that came from sticking to a job for 30 years. Our generation was the first generation to see that collapse. And so we started to do things just a little bit differently. But one of the things that I didn't, don't think we were taught in this generation, like the younger generation, is well aware of how to save, how to invest, how to. Um, and so we stick in jobs because now we have, and I think this is true of even younger ones, they, we have loans, school loans, school debt that we feel stuck sometimes, right? Where now what am I going to do? What am I going to do if I leave this job that I'm unhappy with? So what advice do you give from that generational um, perspective and also leaning into doing what you love? Why is that important? Oh, okay. I'm going to start with the last question first and then go into it. And you don't mind going a little bit longer, right, Elise? Because we're at that. Okay, cool. Perfect. Just want to make sure and respect your time. I'm, I'm with you guys. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, so why is it important to do what you love? Point blank, you live longer. Mm, good point. Number two, yeah. why is it important to do what you love? When you're happy, you make more money. True story. Shocker. Shocker. Number two. <laughs> Number three, 
longevity comes with joy. And why on earth would you want to create a um, habit or a coping mechanism that you will then have to shift in a week, two weeks, or a month to fix it to make sure that true scaling can happen, right? Because what happens, like you're talking about, is people get into jobs and then they're unhappy. But let's back it up even more. Let's talk yeah. about expectations. Back that ass up. Do it. People don't get into jobs for themselves. Let's just point blank it. Yeah. Oh, I people get that. into jobs for other people. Yep. People go to college for other people. I'm one of those people who my parents said, at least you better go to college. And I said, okay, I'm going to pick the college then because I don't want to go to regular school. That doesn't sound enjoyable because I saw all my friends, like, to be honest with you, just getting drunk and not going to class and picking like classes that weren't that fun. And I was like, okay, I don't want to do that. So I decided to go to culinary school because that was my like F you back at saying, you know what, this is what I want to do. But still, I still got a sub business degree. And do you know what I understood, Isela, in that entire understanding is that here's what happens. We do a job for a really long time. And then when we physically cannot stand it anymore, we find a reason to either self-sabotage or we leave it. Mm -hmm. There's also another situation that happens, which is where for our whole lives, we felt like we should be doing this one thing. And this is why people go into companies, right? Or they go into um, corporate because of the security. That's right. why people pick jobs of that nature. But let me get really real with you. It is 2022. This idea of 40 and 40 is no longer here, which is the idea that you can work for 40 years and you will get 40 years of retirement. <laughs> that is no longer the way that we have been doing things for the last 25 years. But yet it's the still story that we are telling kids and college kids and high school kids. That's not real anymore. Why? Let's have real talk. Inflation keeps going up every year. So no matter what, you're going to keep having to make more and more and more and more money to live the same way that you're currently living. So then we get into this idea, into this place of, okay, so if we're going to have to make this amount of money anyway, then why don't we just be miserable doing this thing? And I was one of those people for a long time. I loved what I did. And yet the way that it was making me feel and yet the amount of time that I never had off, there was no such thing as days off for Christmas. There was no such thing as sick leave. There was no such thing as someone coming in and saying, hey, honey, how are you? That was not real. So the advice that I would have for people who are in unhappy jobs is probably not the advice that maybe they want to hear. And it's going to be to ask them, do you believe you're meant for more? Or do you believe this is it for you? Mm. And that's a really hard question. Yeah, it's a good question. I love this topic because this is what I, this is, this, you work, you played right into what I do, right? We didn't talk about what it is that I do and how I help others, but I help others take a toxic environment, an environment that they don't like and they don't want to thrive in because it, 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 it's draining to their soul and their well being. I help them turn that into, I help them take that toxic environment and turn it into a field of transformation. Right. I take their ability to walk into this place, change their perspective on how to look at this and turn that environment to a training field. So then that they could either um, get better pay 
move into a better position and are going to business for themselves. But I let them know that it doesn't matter. The grass is not going to be greener over there. It's not going to be greener over there. It's going to be greener where you water it and you start watering yourself. So when you can fall in love with that job as who you recognize that you are the issue. It's not your coworkers. It's not your, your guest, right? It's how you take it in and you perceive it and makes, here we go. We can talk about joy. When you go into a job you don't like with joy, you get that longevity. You understand, wait a minute. Now I'm getting paid in order to transform. They're paying for my education now because this is an educational field. It's just in real time. And I don't need a degree for this shit. So that's what I really help people do is change that perspective because let's face it, a lot of people cannot afford to leave their fucking five jobs that they have for $15 an hour while milk is $20 a gallon. They can, but their mentality can't. And that's the key factor here is you have to surrender. So I went from having three different jobs seven days a week, being on unemployment for the first time in my life. Seven. Literally miserable. And I had a thought. I had a thought, Mark. I had a download. And the download said, make a freaking decision and pick. But if I wouldn't have decided, like, I'll give you an example. I picked three positions that I was going to go into after that. I picked two chocolate jobs and I picked the museum job. And I went to both of those jobs at the idea that I didn't have any money at the time. I was already like almost in debt, almost at the idea of, okay, let's just go back to a nine to five. It's not worth it. First job I go into, first interview, she was gonna pay me more money than I had ever experienced. And I don't know if I wanna give the name of the company because it's a very, very large company. And yeah, (laughs) Um, but in understanding and connecting with the first thing that she said to me was, okay, I would love to offer you this position, but no one's gonna like you. No one's gonna respect you. No one's going to speak the same language as you. And by the way, everyone else has worked here 15 years and they're going to be mad that you're 30 years younger than them running the show. She said, is it okay? You want that job? And I said, absolutely not. I don't want that job. Next time, <laughs> walked in. She said, I'm going to pay you more money I've ever paid anyone in my life. I said, awesome. I'm going to go into an R&D position. Let's go. I go to sign the contract. She wants all of my intellectual property from the moment I was born to four years later. And I said, hey, you know what? Real interesting. Yeah, I don't want to give that to you. So I had to pick the museum job. Yeah. But it wasn't had to. It was meant to. Because when I picked the museum job was the time that my heart started to open up to my own understanding of who I'm meant to be. Because I had space. So that the the tip that I would give people is freaking surrender, let it go, and allow yourself to step into your next self. But you have to be willing. You have to be willing to surrender and say, you know what? Everything that I've been doing so far, it's not working for me. My coping skills that used to work also are not working for me. So let's start anew. And you can do that shit now, people. Like right now, you don't have to what go to right nothing. Now. Yeah, you, you can do that shit right now. You have everything you need already inside of you. You have all the skills necessary, especially if you're like 30, 40 years old. That's 40, 30 years of fucking real life. And I have more people, by the way, Isola and Mark, that come to me in their 50s and 60s asking for help and asking for consideration and understanding and empathy, because this is why people don't ask for help with wealth, their shame and their empathy, because they don't think anyone is going to recognize them. They don't think anyone's going to understand why they've been doing things that they've been doing for so long. So you have to have empathy. You need to understand and connect to maybe things that we don't understand, right? Things that happened before our time. Hey, bonds used to be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, 2022, 
Nothing. Yeah. Woo. Wow. This, this is, I, I love this conversation, especially with you, Elise, because we could go on forever. And I know Isela's brain is over there. I can see her like, oh, yeah. so many questions. she has so I many questions. I actually would like to have you back. And let me tell you why. I think that this for a lot of us, um, and I'm saying us, you know, as the global community of brown folks, <laughs> I think a lot of us have um, been raised, especially if you grew up in poverty. So this is sort of these remnants of these belief systems systems that get in the way of, um, of allowing people to step into their power. I mean, really, truly. And I think we didn't get to um, the parts about just the, the practical approaches that you can take and also um, knowing about passive income and what that means. And I think we also need to talk a little bit about letting go of the idea of the hustle. Um, we are taught as black and brown folks in general, um, that if you don't work hard enough, you if you didn't succeed, it's because you didn't work hard enough. And it's one of the things that I get really pissed off about because I have an entire family who have busted their asses their entire lives. And they work hard, hard, and they still are struggling. They still are, are living paycheck to paycheck. They are still... Um, you know, in that midst of, of not having enough. And I, I recognize the significance of their mindset and, and how important that is. So I, I want to revisit that and really um, delve deeper around that because I think that this is a tipping point for many folks. Yeah. 100% Isela. And just to add to that, like, why do you, why do we think as a society, right, that Michael Jordan became such a good basketball player? Why do we think that Kobe was such a good basketball player? It wasn't because they had the talent. Yes, they did. But it is because they did. They worked their asses off. I, we just watched last night. My husband was watching um, the Redeem team. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I sit on the couch and I have to absorb all this shit because he talks to me through the entire damn thing he's watching. <laughs> My parents are like that. <laughs> and um, so we were watching where Kobe, they were all, they had all gone out to clubbing, you know, they were in Vegas and um, they all went clubbing and they were just getting back. The team was getting back at four o'clock in the morning and Kobe was dressed up, laced up, ready to go to the gym at four in the morning. He didn't go with them. And so they all felt guilty. <laughs> they were like, you know, we're out clubbing and he's going to the gym. And so one by one, you know, Dwayne Wade, next one, next one was LeBron. They were showing up at four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning to go to the gym. And so he started to create this culture, right? So we see he worked hard. He was there all of those hours. He busted his asses. And so we internalize that. And we think that that's, that's the answer, that I didn't fucking work hard enough, you know? And so I really want to unpack that some more because I think that that's something we have, we've got to get in the flow and the flow is a spiritual experience. It's not just an intellectual decision to wake up. It is a spiritual experience. And I don't think we have a good grasp of that. And I like that you said that because it is when, when, when you're really aligned, when you're really in that flow, it, it's really not work. You do it because you truly love it. When I was writing those fucking five songs in five days, it didn't feel like work. It just came out. Probably for Kobe, when he showed up at four o'clock in the morning, it was just in his soul, right? He didn't mind shooting fucking 10,000 free throws a day, right? It was just in him. 
You don't have to be. In his mind, he was already wealthy, Mark. He was already the mamba. That's exactly mamba mentality, right? You're not being pushed. You're being pulled, right? And so, yes, Elise. So that means we're going to have you on here again, Brown Spiritual AF, (laughs) so we could really unpack this generational wealth gap um, situation and scenario, right? We could even title it your uh, title, Fuck the Generational Wealth Gap or something like that because it'd be really dope and we'll figure out how to like you know here's another thing i'm really getting better at is really marketing how we do this stuff because that's a learning curve for us also and stuff like that so any last words elise words of the wise that we like to give our listeners here um and then how to find you and where to look you up because i know there's a lot of people that could really utilize your amazing gifts talents intuition and beautiful smile because whoo let's go so i would say closing words to me you already know where you're meant to be. So stop lying to yourself as if it's not a dream you already have. And for those of us who haven't looked at the dream in a very, very long time, I want you to get quiet. And I want you to ask yourself, why is it that you do not feel worthy of doing the dream that you were already given to do? because you wouldn't have been given the dream if it wasn't meant for you. That's what I get. Um, (laughs) Places to find me. Um, Fuck the Generational Wealth Gap podcast is on um, Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. It is wherever you go to get your podcast information. Um, And Fuck the Generational Wealth Gap YouTube is also in my name. um, And I'm Burning Pure on Instagram. Please feel free to send me a message. Honestly, I think the biggest part of this idea in this space is connecting. It's really knowing that it's me on the other side and that I truly genuinely am here to serve. And that's a part of my um, wealth equation that we can also talk about next time. Yeah, that's a, really big deal. a lot of fucks and no fucks given in this episode. Isela, any last words before you want to close this out? No, I'm just super grateful to have you on board. I think that, uh, again, it is something that we don't talk about um, not uh, not in terms of this uh, spiritual development and how it really aligns with our truth. So thank you so much for being here. Appreciate that. Yes. Well, there you go, people. You heard it here. Thank you for tuning in once again. We love having you here. And if you're not here and you're replaying this later on, if you know somebody that could really benefit from this or if you benefit from this, like, share, subscribe. People, let me tell you, these things are just getting more and more interesting. We're building a, a, a plethora of teammates to really move forward because we all have our own skills and gifts and talents. We're all u- uniquely amazing right and it just goes higher and higher from here or left 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 or right 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 or down 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 there's really no right direction to be going in people so thank you for tuning in to brown and spiritual as you in about two weeks we'll get in let you know uh when we'll have elise back on because she is so lovely and so her 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 wealth and her mind is so amazing and you guys could benefit from that so once again thank you very much you guys have a great rest of your mother loving sunday